Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kukaro. And uh, just going to keep going with this kind of grab bag format where I'm, I'm answering questions. Hopefully I'm going to get more than one um, because the last episode, I was going to try to do like three or four and, like, and I only covered one. So anyway, this is, again, these are these are coming from people who sign up for the email at straightshothealth.com. Uh, I ask everybody who signs up for us because I, I, I honest to God, folks, I, I care about you and I want to know why you're interested in listening to the podcast. I want to make sure that this is somewhat valuable to you. Um, I want to provide information that you're you're having a hard time out there. And so the first question I ask when when people sign up is thanks for signing up. And then I ask them why? What's what's the topic? And I do try to answer those as best I can. Uh, due to the our wonderful health system, it becomes very difficult because I, I cannot provide you specific medical advice over email. Uh, but I do try to at least provide some kind of point people in the right direction and, and to kind of keep them safe because their health care system is definitely a dangerous place. So uh, this is another person who signed up and provided a very nice response to thanks and why. And I'm just going to kind of touch the, the back the end of this year. Again, I'm not going to name any names or anything. And this person has been dealing with chronic upper back pain for the past two years. Uh, in that over that time frame, they were both employed with decent insurance and they were unemployed with crappy insurance. I'm kind of in- curious about that because I don't think any insurance is that good. It, it, we, <laughs> speaking from experience on our end, that all kind of sucks. Uh, anyway, they're trying to figure out how to navigate the healthcare system as well as deal with pain and all its sources. It, it's been their focus for a while. Um, give me some okay great some other really nice things on there uh, yeah tested drugs so I, I, I'm going to bring up a couple key points here this is super key and I know I've done an episode on how to navigate the healthcare system and how to deal with pain uh, and, and talking about when we're thinking about sources okay so I'm going to break this down into three parts number one our healthcare system is not a healthcare system it is a sick care system it is incentivized to do things to you. That uh, it's the, unfortunately, it's it's the fact of the matter, and that is not going to change anytime soon unless we have widespread, massive change in our healthcare system. It is designed and incentivized to do things. Now, is this necessarily bad? On a fundamental level, no. There are some things that need to be done to you. If you have a heart attack and it's because you have a clot in a major coronary vessel, it makes sense to have someone go in and do an angioplasty or a stent and take care of that. The problem is, is the incentive to do outweighs the incentive to do not. And when it comes to health, really ultimately, the 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 you want to see when does it when does intervention need to be done? That's the minority of the time and when should nothing be done that's the majority of the time okay so understanding that front out the reason that people go if you have no medical background i feel for you because the main reason despite what big pharma says on every ad and what every healthcare system puts in there you know come see us when you stub your toe or whatever the reason that you see your doctor is not to tell you what is wrong with you but to rule out horrible awful things that could be wrong with you now it is a very different construct you go in for reassurance that nothing bad is there rather than someone to tell you that you have something bad present right 
Now, sometimes bad things will be there, but that is the rarity. Instead, you're really going in, do I have Ebola virus? No, you have a cold, chicken soup. And 99% of the time, you're not going to have Ebola virus. You're going to have a cold, which requires chicken soup. Okay. And so that, that, that key thing is you utilize healthcare to rule out badness. What is badness? Badness is things like cancer. Okay. Although there are some problems there because we overdiagnose it, even things that aren't likely to progress. But that's something that we need to be aware of. Broken bones. So if you're in a car accident and you've just been shattered, that's a good place for a, you know acute trauma. That's a good place for the healthcare system. We have a very good trauma system. Um, you know, a heart attack. I use that one would be an example. Horrible infections, bacterial infections specifically, where you need an antibiotic. Now we overuse antibiotics because we we prescribe them too much, but. There's a reason that we know people aren't dying from infections as much as they used to. In viral diseases, which are your typical colds and flu, that could be you're going in because you may need supportive measures. So someone who has horrible flu, lo and behold, we don't have antibiotics that kill those flu viruses. What we can do is support you if your body is decompensating. I mean, if you have difficulty breathing in a horrible scenario, we put you on a breathing machine and things like that. Okay, that's how the flu kills. It kills you because it basically suffocates you. Uh, there are some medications that may decrease the symptoms of the flu, uh, but they do not eliminate the flu virus. Okay. But we're still thinking in terms of badness. What are other weird badness things? Weird neurological conditions or inflammatory diseases, things like rheumatoid arthritis or ankylosing spondylitis or uh, inflammatory bowel disorders like Crohn's disease or, um, uh, or others. Okay. Now, these may require acute intervention, but also is to remember that even if you were diagnosed with these badness, which are rare, there are things that you can do for yourself, active-based therapies, that are what we should be focusing on chronically. Okay, so the healthcare system, number one, is incentivized to do stuff to intervene on you. Number two, is focused on short-term. We're looking, we treat everything like a broken bone. And number three, is not focused on long-term wellness. Long-term wellness, and, and this is the part that people need to understand, not just healthcare providers, but people need to understand. When it comes to long-term health and chronic medical conditions, and I don't care what the medical condition may be, the key to that is active-based therapy. So things that you do for yourself. The, whole, the only thing the healthcare system can be to even effectively help you with that is to um, support you. Okay, so do not rely only on a high blood pressure pill if you want to get better because you have high, high blood pressure. You want to be exercising. You want to do effective stress management. You want to look at dietary me methods, et cetera. Okay, so long-term health or chronic medical conditions is not the, what the healthcare system is, is designed to do. It is not good at it. Uh, it can slap Band-Aids on things, but you're certainly not going to get worse. So really, when it comes down to navigating the healthcare system, what I advise people to do is you it, is the toe-dipping philosophy. You don't know because we don't have all this medical knowledge. We don't know whether we have bad stuff present. So the key thing is rule out bad stuff. So we go in the healthcare system, we dip the toe in. Tell me if I have badness. Do I have cancer? Do I have a horrible infection? Do I have weird neurological disease? Do I have weird inflammatory diseases? Um, all of which are rare. 
right? So we're expecting them to say no. But when you, as soon as they say no, but then you go, thank you. I'm going to leave. I'm going to start going back and, and, and doing my active-based therapies. I'm going to start doing my exercise program, stress management, make sure my, my, uh, my relationships are good, make sure I'm eating the right foods, and get out of there. Because when they start labeling things that aren't badness and telling you that you have them, back pain specifically, they start think, talking things like, well, you have degenerative discs, just like everybody else in the world. You have arthri osteoarthritis, wear and tear just like everybody else who's no longer 10 years old. And we start labeling that stuff and assigning blame to these, these essentially wrinkles, the wrinkles that people get, just like wrinkles on your face, forehead, or whatever. You get wrinkles inside your body as well. That's where the, that's where the healthcare system can kind of go overboard because, there, again, there's not enough badness and acuteness um, to justify all the surgeries that we do, all the drugs that we're presenting. In fact, the, the goal of of really pharmaceuticals is to make diseases sound worse than they are so that you take a drug for it. And the healthcare system is to do more to you because that's how they get paid. Again, I'm in a harsh but true. All right, so the navigate it. You navigate the health system by dipping your toe in to real out horrible, awful things. Oh my God, I have new upper back pain. It's really killing me. It feels like this horrible knot right between my shoulder blades, almost like a knife that someone's dragging at me. I want to make sure that there's no bad stuff present. I'm going to go in. I see my doctor. Primary care doctor is a great place for this. Um, hopefully he has more than eight minutes or five minutes to do it. But if you've prepared yourself, you've answered the seven questions that we have talked about, how to make sure that you're presenting your problem in an effective manner, um, using the seven questions there, they can generally, with just the history and physical examination, they can tell you whether or not you have badness present with a pretty high degree of certainty. Now, is anything 100%? No. But you also, every time you walk out of your door, you don't know whether a falling airline part is going to come out of the sky. 100% certainty is neither, it's not possible in this day and age, but they can provide a reasonable degree of certainty to you. In some rare occasions, and this should be rare, they may say they want to look at you with an x-ray or maybe they want to get labs if there's some other thing that they saw in physical exam. But that x-ray or lab work should always be done to support a clinical suspicion based on what you've told them and based on what the examination showed them. Lab works and x-rays and imaging to quote unquote find something is not the way to good health care. It is more likely to cause significant issues and potential harm, despite all the anecdotal stories of, I felt perfectly fine, and someone just said, hey, let's get an, an, an x-ray, and then they, they found something on it. Okay, Those are rare, rare courses. They're like the lottery, and you're more likely, if, you, if you're like, oh, I need to have imaging. I, oh, I need an x-ray MRI, because it's going to show something. Yeah, damn right they're going to show something. They're going to show something that is most likely a normal age-related finding that it's going to be diseaseified, told as a pain pus oozing something. Uh, and there is a host of data that says that people do worth with that. All right. So navigating the healthcare system, you touch your toe in, you rule out the badness. As soon as they say you don't have badness, but you say, thank you. That's all I need to know. You get out. Okay. Now the next part, how to deal with the pain and all that sources. And I've talked about sources. The number one thing about pain is to stop thinking about it as oozing like pain pus out of a source and start realizing that pain is constructed from differing components. So just like fire has those three primary components to it, a fuel source, oxygen, and a heat source, and it is only when you have all three, when we understand our pain in that way, 
that it has three primary components that come together from which our pain emerges from. So we have that sensation, so a lot of nerve information, hot, hot crushing, ear aching, uh, lightning-like, et cetera, coming up from the body to the brain itself. Then we have the emotion, the attention that we're giving to it. Wait, did I just say cognition or emotion? I'm talking about cognition now. So that is really the attention that we're giving to it. The appraisal, whether we're seeing it as a threat or challenge, that's the other aspect to it. And lastly is the emotion that we're, that we're the unpleasantness that we're assigning, that we assign to that sensation that comes heavily from memory and past experiences that amplifies the unpleasantness in that scenario. But it's only when you have all three of those that pain is created. We start thinking about pain like that. Then we can know... Hey, okay, I have this new upper back pain. I'm scared because it's new and it's really bad. It feels like a knife stand on my back. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go see my healthcare provider. I want to rule out bad, awful things. Now I do that. I don't have what appears to be bad, awful things. And, and I like my doctor and I feel confident in that. That's another, another thing here. So, But I still have the pain, right? That is okay. I'm going to say right now, that is okay. It still does not mean that um, that people are are the doctors are missing anything horrible. You know, it doesn't. What it does mean is that you don't have horrible, awful things that are associated with it. But you can still have pain, and that pain is just as real as if I smashed your fingers. And that pain is just as is uh, is worrisome and as important to address. As if you had a heart attack and you were having crushing chest pain. What it doesn't mean, though, is that the healthcare system is likely to provide you a very good solution. Healthcare system, when it comes to pain, what we reimburse, what the pain clinics do, what I used to do is we will cut, poke, and drug you. And for persistent pain, it doesn't make sense. It's associated with substantial harm and can make you worse over time. So instead, we recognize... I have pain. It's not associated with bad things, but there are three components that come together to create it. Then we start saying, okay, well, what else can be threatening me? And I did, I think the last uh, episode, that last grab bag episode, we talked about the circles of protection, physical circle of protection, environmental circle of protection, uh, so the, envi- the social circle of protection, the environment. We start looking at what other potential threats are involved in here. If you are frustrated, if you are unemployed with crappy insurance, do you think your brain is going to see that as a, uh, as a pleasant thing or is it a threat? If you have a back pain and you don't have insurance and now you're concerned that I have back pain and if there's something horrible, I'm not going to be able to get treated. Do you think that is going to be perceived as more of a threat or less of a threat as compared to somebody who says, oh, I have perfect uh, health insurance and and I'll get ever. Not that we have great care in the healthcare system, but but I won't have I won't be responsible for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of bill if I have to go in because my toe's broken. Um, Lo and behold, that's going to be less of a threat. The more you know about pain, so understanding pain, the more you are aware of what pain is and what pain isn't, and we understand how pain is created, do you think that if you understand something, is that more of a threat or less of a threat? It's the more you understand something, the more the less threatening it appears to be. So with that understanding, we can actually have benefit when it comes to pain. Uh, the less fear. So recognizing sensation, being able to 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 
deconstruct your pain into the pure sensation, what the sensation is, and then start taking away the unpleasantness and fear aspect of it. So we can say, yes, this is, this is pretty intense, but you know what? I am okay. I'm going to be okay. This is what I need to do next. Uh, you know, expressive writing, or maybe I need to do stressing, or maybe I need to do something fun. Maybe I need to reconnect with somebody. Maybe I need to um, uh, leave an abusive relationship. The more we can start deconstructing and adjusting these other these other components that amplify and contribute to the construction of pain, lo and behold, we can start dealing with it. And then finally, with the sources, rather than thinking of, of a source, like there's an oozing pain pus, a primary place where all this pain oozes out of, we start looking at contributors, primary contributors. If you break your leg, the primary contributor to your pain is all that sensory information coming from all the little nerves that are saying, ah, there's something wrong down here in this leg. It's no longer in, this is outside of the degree of, of what our normal range is. Lots and lots of sensory information, okay? Primary contributor there when you have a broken leg pain would be nerve information coming from the leg. That is not the only place, though, that is involved. You still have to have the attention, the cognition, and you also have to have the emotion in order to create pain from that broken leg. How, so if it was uh, in the emergency room, though, if we numbed up the, those nerve nerves that are taking information from the leg up to your brain and we numb that up so now you no longer can feel your leg now your leg is quote unquote numb what do you think is going to occur that we've addressed with a prime contributor you are less likely to experience pain is it a guarantee no because there's other sensory information that's present there's the brain's capacity to create sensation as well. But you're much more likely, if you, if you are addressing that primary contributor, it's much likely or more likely to have significant effects. But it is not the only primary contributor. What if you were out in the middle of the woods somewhere and you broke your leg and no one can numb it up? Are there things that you can do in this scenario? Yes, because there's the primary contributor, which is the broken leg. But there are the other contributors, which is, the, again, that attention and appraisal and the meaning, the emotion behind it, that have significant interplays. Again, two-thirds two, two of, of a fire, is not, aren't the, it's not the fuel source, it's the oxygen and the heat, right? And just like with pain, it's not just that sensory information, it's the cognition and the emotion behind it. So if you broke your leg out in the, in the boonie somewhere, what can you do is you assess the situation, right? Trying to, instead of just panicking, is to say, I have a broken leg. Let me let me analyze the situation. That's using the cognitive effects. So then we're starting to reduce. Okay, um, this is and this and this and this is, but the bone's not sticking out. So we're reducing threat. This and this and this, but my 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 leg is still in one primary direction. Okay, so it's not twisted, and your foot is in a completely different. Route. So, oh, that's a good sign. Oh, I have a branch nearby. I can I can tie around my leg and splint it. That's a good thing. Right. So that that attention and appraisal element we can address as well. And lo and behold, having a plan of action, having positive coping skills, recognizing and reappraising that scenario can improve that pain, even with broken leg. Other sides about that. How can we address the fear oh, is then you start addressing the emotional component to it. When have I survived this in the past? Have I had similar injuries from which I've recovered from? Do I know other people that had similar injuries and did well? Uh, how, other, how, uh, how else can I reduce fear in this scenario? Can I use humor to incorporate in this scenario with a broken leg? But those are all other pain 
modulation modalities there, ways that you can pro that you can help with your with your pain and significantly decrease it, by the way, if you're good at it, that have nothing to do with the leg itself. And that is in a situation where the leg is the primary contributor. Now, when we look at things like chronic pain, the primary contrib contributor to that, when we're looking at a pain triangle, is not that sensory realm. Okay, And specifically, it's not the information coming up from the body. There's not what we would call nociceptive or, th or prominent threat-based information coming from the body in this scenario. Major places that we can intervene, there's a high degree of emotional trauma and there's a high degree of the cognitive aspects. The cognition and the emotion are where our primary contributors can be. And you can have more people with more of an anxiety component, which would be more heat states, more people with that trauma, which would be the oxygen focus. But we want to start thinking, oh, how can I address these contributors here? So again, if you had upper back pain that surfaced because of a high stress, you're in the middle of a high stress environment, either a, lots of relationship stress, a lot of uh, job related stress, a lot of environmental stress. Maybe you have insecure housing, maybe food related stress because you don't know what you're eating or you're eating badly. Uh, maybe you're a new parent and now you have sleep deprivation. We look at those primary contributors and we start targeting them. Okay, we're not saying that those are where the pain is coming from, but what we are saying is those are strong contributors in the construction of our pain, and we can start targeting them as, an, as a way to, to improve our pain. Okay, and a lot of that is, again, understanding pain is it, 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 one of the reasons I talk about pain all the time is because it is so critical. When we understand pain, we can actually improve our pain because it is no longer threatening because now we can deconstruct it. Okay. It is no longer magical. It is no, no longer this fearful unknown. It is the known. And uh, again, I have gone a little too far. And so we'll, we'll end upon this one. So this is an episode on how to navigate healthcare system. Dip your toe in. Don't jump into it. Or it will take you off the waterfall and smash you against the rocks. Uh, when it comes to dealing with pain in the healthcare system, know that the healthcare system, the best way to utilize it is to rule out horrible, awful things, not to rule in uh, things that they want to tell you. Rule out badness, and then when they say, you don't have badness, but, is when you escape. Don't let them finish that but statement. And then dealing with pain and its sources is to recognize co primary contributors that are involved in the construction of your pain and recognizing those has to come, comes from understanding pain. But then we can start really start working on more effective and more uh, safe and, and, and more uh, really efficient ways of mastering our pain rather than managing it.